You're listening to Let There Be Light, a podcast where we shed light on topics in the church today through discussions on history, science, theology, as well as our love for Jesus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Really? That's how I'm like, Sarah, how are we going to start the show? Oh, oh, I got it. I know how we're going to start it. Hello. Hello. Folks, oh. you might have guessed it, but we're here in the last episode. The last freaking episode. Not ever, for those of you who oh, breathed yeah. a sigh well, of relief. I don't know. You know, instead Again. of like our, for our last um, song, instead of ending with our beautiful music, we should end with the song, You Don't Own Me. <laughs> you don't own me. No. Hello, darkness, my old friend. No, that should be the beginning of season two. Hello, darkness, my old friend. That you might be, be so wondering, great. what are we going to do this whole episode other than goof off? We're well, going to talk some serious shit. Actually, this <laughs> is going to be one of the most serious episodes we've gotten into yet. Serious. It's going to get really real. Want to know how I got these scars? Let's talk about our churches. Ooh, that was really good. <laughs> thank you. Wow. Thank you. Nice. We are going to be talking about our churches. For those who have got suddenly worried, we're not going to be spilling the tea on like the specific church names or people. Yeah, no names. That's not the goal. No names. The the goal is not to be like to start a protest against specific places. Uh, Unless you'd like to, in which case, I'm just kidding. Unless you'd like us to, in which case, join our Patreon. I'm just kidding. We don't have a Patreon. We have no Patreon. Um, For real, we are going to be talking about our personal experiences with church and church trauma which is a very real thing navigating the often complex world of christianity which is a place full of broken people and some messed up stuff sometimes which i think is okay to talk about and marlene will be leading this one yeah guiding us through guiding us through i'm in charge i am the captain now look at me okay so this episode as the the title of this episode has changed meant numerous times Mm -hmm. um but wanted to give a, a little throwback to the 80s subculture of uh, evangelical Christian movies and uh, <sighs> call it Left Behind. This is sponsored by Nick Cage. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No. Just... <laughs> Left Behind, learning to love the church again. We're going to get very personal in this episode. I like, Sarah, we made like serious eye contact right very. now. Very. <laughs> very You're gonna serious. You're going to have some like raw feelings and, you know, we may make you cry. <laughs> I don't know. If you would like to shed tears. You know, this is a safe place. We won't judge. It's okay. We we really wanted to focus on our friends who are probably in the midst of deconstruction right now. Meaning that you believed in something for a long time. And whether through a series of really traumatic events or experiences, you are questioning whether or not you still believe in that. To start with me. So, mm. in case you don't know me, guys, because <laughs> I don't think we introduced ourselves. Okay, so I'm Marlene. I'm Sarah. With me and my story, I'm going to try to keep it pretty concise in here. You know, keep the trauma to a minimum. I'm just kidding. Um, we deal with our trauma with humor. Humor. Throwback to episode one. Ooh. Ooh. Wrapping it all up. I grew up in a very divided household where one parent is a Christian and then the other is anything but. I had a lot of inconsistencies growing up and that led to a lot of trauma, which again, episode one, you can hear Mm. all about that. Um, But really it led to um, church 
was very confusing for me because I I viewed my family as broken. Even though my parents were still together, when we went to church, it was like my mom was a single mom. And so I had this idea in my head that my church had to be the right way. It made sense, but I didn't really believe in it um, for most of my life. In high, in junior high and high school, I would have said I was a Christian. I went to Young Life. I did all of the right things um, that a Christian girl is supposed to do. Didn't sleep around, kept the cussing to a minimum, <laughs> and didn't do drugs or anything like that. But I was a bit of like a partier. That really fueled my depression for a long time was that I thought I believed in something and I was pretty sure that was what I believed in was right. The church I grew up with, which was very Protestant, Calvinist, complementarian, whatever you want to call it, church. And I knew that was right. I, you know, I love a good party. You were, you were lit, getting lit. Getting lit. Feeling your oats. Feeling? You mean sewing? Oh. Sewing. You're sewing. You were fueling your oats? Um. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I don't know what two phrases. No, I no, no, no. There. You're good. You're good. Yeah. So, um, I, I would say I loved Jesus, but I also loved the party. At least I thought I knew that was right, but I just couldn't bring myself to believe in it. Fast forward to I was 19, going through a lot with my depression, had um a lot of suicidal thoughts, and at one point tried to take my own life. I had a really good friend encourage me that I needed to talk to somebody. Her exact words were, "I don't know how I can still be your friend anymore through mm-hmm. this." Because she, she was honest and she didn't know how to help me. Yeah. And so I went to see a counselor. And the counselor called me out about not having any faith. And she's like, I can't help you unless you give your life to Jesus. And this was a, this was a counselor who worked for the church that I had grown up in. Mm. And I had known she was right. And so um, that day, it was actually January 2015, um, that I was like, you're right. And and this is not to say that, oh, I accepted Jesus into my heart and all of my problems went away. Uh, no, I, I really wish that were the case. Um, but it unfortunately was not. I still to this day struggle really deeply, actually, with my mental health. And it it's a tough it's a tough journey to be on, um, but it's not a journey that I'm on alone. Um, I didn't mean for that to come out as cheesy as it did, but there it is. Being saved really helped me to change how I viewed other people and how I view myself. And it helped me recognize, you know, what what is this life I'm, I'm living? Is, is this really all there is to living? Around the time where I did accept Jesus into my life, I was I was truly dealing with a lot of mental health issues, and that I believe was used for the better to lead me to Christ. So, there's a lot more to the story, and it definitely wasn't like I accept Jesus into my life and the chorus of angels sing like ah, feeling you know angels like angels did not sing yeah you know like in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone where Harry holds his wand and Alavander's for the first time it wasn't like that okay it wasn't like oh it's good visual though spooky it wasn't like that <laughs> it was not salvation is not spooky you heard it here folks Stop. over time I did kind I did feel a difference like a shift in my personality 
in the way I viewed things. And it was very slow, very gradual. And that's how I personally believe you see real change is slowly. It doesn't happen overnight. So like I said, I was 19. And then I started going to this church that I had grown up in full time. I fully flung myself into it. I started going to small group throughout the spring and the summer. And then in the fall, I started leading in youth group everything I was just on fire like everything seemed great and awesome and it was amazing um the following year the first thing I can think of that really tested my faith was having a conversation with a friend about how women couldn't be pastors and I was shook by that to say the least I was shook and that was the first kind of I think tiny crack in my um newly found perfect porcelain plate of a face mm-hmm. um and so like my faith had there was so intact and that was like the first teeny little chip or crack whatever you want to use and I ignored that for a really long time and I you know just I didn't know what to do with it so I was like I just put that away ignored it super glued it it's okay about two years later this scandal broke out within my whole church's denomination i'm gonna keep it very big mm. it really broke it broke our our church yeah i think we ended up splitting in half basically right? basically yeah. yeah so this particular church was under a lot of pressure to do something about this scandal that had come out whether to speak against it profusely or to separate from the big um, umbrella of the ministries of churches they were a part of and they chose not to it became sort of a civil unrest within our community yeah because there was half that like felt one way and half that felt another and so that was 2018 when that happened Mm -hmm. and so for the past few years before that there had been little chips and cracks here and there and then that was the first time that I feel like my porcelain plate of faith really did break almost completely shatter because I knew I could no longer be a part of this church in this particular ministry without compromising a set of morals and beliefs that I believed were biblical Mm. and that this church did not. I made a plan that I was going to stick it out for the rest of the school year because at this point I was still leading in youth and I was like after this, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mm. even planned, I was like, maybe I'll just travel the world on my, you know, very limited millennial I'll budget. I'll take a hot air balloon. Hot air balloon to Europe. <laughs> It'll be great. And then one day, it was Christmas 2018, like during Christmas break, I got a call from one of my friends um, who was pastor for youth group. And he said, hey, we're creating a new church. From then, we had um, a church split. Um, they referred to it as a, a plant, but it wasn't part of the original church's umbrella it was not a plant it was not a plant it was a split and i'd say 40 percent of us left that church yeah and created the church i'm i'm now a part of this church it's it's a lot it's very similar to the other church meaning that it's complementarian has very specific views on like male headship and whatnot that i don't necessarily agree with and a lot of people have come at me with that like hey they don't believe that women can be pastors what do you think of that and (laughs) To that, I respond with, I'm not going to leave a church full of friends and family because of the one thing I think they're doing wrong. Mm. I'm going to stay because of all of the things I know they are doing right. Mm. So like helping in the community, um, believing in science and mental health, believing in 
true like biblical counseling say it again like healthy sexual ethics like all these things that they believe in that i know are right Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna pack it up and leave all of these people who god has placed in my life because well i believe a woman should be so interestingly enough at the same time 2015 that you were what being introduced to the faith i was in the process of leaving the church that i had grown up at Ooh, this is like two worlds colliding right here. Yeah. It's some good shit. Continue. It was it was a really what a time. So I became a Christian at a pretty young age, around eleven. And I had this very idealized because it's both what I read in scripture and what I heard up front. Um, and I was very, you know, kids, they have a very like black and white perspective of the world. So I was looking at scripture and I was hearing what I was hearing from everybody and I kind of put together this vision of the church that was like this perfect community where everybody helps each other all the time and is super sweet and non-judgmental and everybody you know exhorts each other and encourage each other and shows up for each other and that's what the body of Christ is meant to be and we serve you know we just we serve each other and we love each other and I figured there were no exceptions to this and I couldn't imagine there being any exceptions and there were plenty of things happening around me as I grew up but that I was too young to comprehend that directly contradicted this until as it as it always does until it affected me the long story made short is that my family was dealing with issues related to mental illness and my church at the time but did not have the education or the understanding that mental illness existed or was real, um, Mm -hmm. or that it wasn't just lack of faith or sin. And so there were some things, I think not said necessarily maliciously, that were very intense. They blame. There was a lot of blame going around. Other people in my family heard that it was our fault for the things that were happening to us and increasingly realized nobody is there. And when I ask for help, I and my parents, I am told things that are biblically incorrect and are very harsh, or that simply just mental illness didn't exist. And I started to realize as the isolation got stronger and I kind of looked around and some things that, you know, no matter how necessarily good intentions were, should never have been said to particularly me as a child about how it was God's will that nobody helps us. Wow. Thing that I heard one day at a Bible study. Sorry, God's tying our hands. This looks really messy. Yeah. Uh, We just don't feel cold. There were just a lot of tears And there were a lot of Sundays where I would walk in and cry. And I went to a very, very, it was a very small church. I would walk in and cry. And there were quite a few people that I had grown up with who, and I think they just didn't know how to handle it, who would watch me cry. And, you know, there would be like that wide berth of just Mm. people avoiding us. Because it was really hard. I didn't have any grasp of the complexities of what was going on. I just looked at what wasn't happening, which wasn't good. And I was shattered and I was like, wow, I thought the church was different than this. And I thought people were willing to work through gray areas in scripture. And I thought I spend so much time talking about being solid in scripture. But now that the time has come to apply it, there's no application going on. Like nobody's willing to do seem it seems like nobody is willing to do the work to wrestle with really difficult things going on. And my idealized version of the church completely and utterly fell apart. And I felt very betrayed and very alone. I ended up walking out 
in 2015 and leaving my family still there and leaving the it was the place I had grown up. So it was very intense because I was 17 and I got up in front of the church and I basically was like, here's my testimony. Also, here's a little bit of honesty about where we've actually been at and what I think of that. And then I left and I did not go back. And that was heartbreaking because I had my view of the church, as you kind of talked about, was completely different. And I was left with all these questions of, well, what is the church? Is it always going to fail me? Is there ever going to be anybody I can trust? Is there ever going to be anybody that is willing to work through scripture with me? Am I ever going to be able to go to a church where I believe something different or something terrible happens and people will work, be willing to stand by me? Or is it always going to be you have to conform and look good on the outside for us to get approval? And those were really pressing questions and made it really hard to transition into another church, which is where I met Marlene. Oh, yeah. Our origin story. Our origin story. Well, technically, we met at Kohl's the summer before. Yes. So, oh, summer of 2015, because mm-hmm. no one knew, we were both working at Kohl's near yes. our house, summer jobs. Because our houses are very, very close to each other, it turns our out as well. parents' houses. Yeah. Parents' houses, yes. We yeah, don't yeah, own yeah. these we, houses. We are um, a young millennial and Gen Z, therefore we do not own real estate. No. <laughs> not even a little bit. Currently apartments. But anyway, so, but our parents' houses, which we were both living with our parents at the time when we were, like, meeting and, like, originating um, <laughs> our friendship. Originating. Um, our point eight miles from each other yeah and so we worked at the Coles right by our houses that's where we met I trained Sarah on the register which I I never actually (laughs) utilized those skills but then I showed up to a bible study at this new church that I was going to the January 2016 and we made eye contact (laughs) we made eye contact at a at a Panera at a Panera Bread and then which was at the time Paradise Bakery it was still Paradise wow Um, and thus a friendship was born and when we met, when our eyes met across the table, that really was like when Harry took his wand and Sorcerer's Stone. It was like, oh, there's a lot of, very a lot of Harry spooky, Potter references. Very spooky. <laughs> yes, it was a spooky meeting. It was very haunting. It was a spooky start. I've been haunting Sarah ever since. We're recording this in October, if you couldn't tell. Oh, spooky season. So spooky season, yes. Um. Anyway, so I settled into this new church, which was a really rough transition. Not my fault at all. No. Because I came in with all this baggage, right? And I was like, can I trust leadership? Can I trust anybody to be present with me? What does the church look like? What should it look like? Uh, because, you know, some of I had been asking, you know, trying to figure out, asking questions, what should the church be doing? And a lot of people had just been like, well, the church is a place made for full of sinners, so you shouldn't expect too much. But then I was like, well, God has all these commandments in scripture. So maybe my expectations should be high with the, but how do I balance that with what reality seems to be? It seemed to fall far short most of the time. Yeah. And then just when I got comfortable, as Marlene explained, there was a break. Yeah, I feel like we had been heading there for a while, though. Yeah, but I, I had kind of missed a lot of it because I was very intent on keeping my head down and also... You don't like confrontation. Yeah, that too. And also, like, I had just lost the church that I grew up at and thought Mm -hmm. I was going to be at forever and had loved and thought was the one true church for me. Yeah. You know? For context, for you, you had been at this new church 
for about three years. Barely two and a half. Barely yeah. two and a half when, because this happened in 2018 when the scandal broke. Yes. And you were like, what the heck? Yeah. And for me, it was like, this can't be happening again. I can't be losing another place and another group of friends because I had, you know, a fairly solid community, even more of a community than I had growing up. I had such a community and people that had really taught me things about scripture and taught me, helped me grow in my faith. And here, here it was again. Everything was falling apart again. And it wasn't, wasn't directly any of me or my friend's faults. It was something that we couldn't help and couldn't stop. It was a train wreck from another direction. That was the grief that time around was, I think, an extremely intense because now it was doubled of I've lost one. Now I've lost another. And now I'm really wondering, is there anywhere that doesn't have corruption? Is there anywhere that isn't going to eventually fall apart that people aren't eventually going to destroy? Is there anywhere where people want to welcome diversity and different thoughts and different opinions and um, want to welcome each other, I think, as the Bible talks about? And I wasn't sure at first. I really wasn't sure. And that was the big question Mm -hmm. that I think both of us left with very similar questions of what's next and is there anything different is there even what what is going on here i think i definitely i don't know if you ever did but i read searching for sunday i have not yet by rachel held evans uh it was incredibly healing for Mm. me she had a very 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 radical thing happen where she had to leave her church Mm. very similarly but she spent years in a not going to church not in an organized religion sort of community where it was just kind of her and God for a long time. And I, I highly recommend that book. We'll cue that up in the comments. But um Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like that you mentioned a book that helped heal because for me, I think it was Blue Like Jazz, which we reviewed earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was the first time that I'd seen someone who was so clearly in love with God and in love with the church, um, and who still had this deep love for other believers and for Jesus recognize very, you know, not in a mean-spirited way, but recognize very clearly that there were genuine issues in the church. Yeah, rather than, uh, like, pretending these issues aren't here, he made Or unsolvable better. issues, mm. which I think we'll probably get into in a little bit. But, um, and then, yeah, I met other people who also had left the church or really struggled with um, very difficult stories of brokenness in their churches and mm. how they went about healing and figuring out, you know, what's next for us. And that was, that was great. That was fantastic because I realize now, especially this is, there are far more people you have met who have been hurt by the church, especially if you've been around in Christianity in any, in any capacity for any length of time, you are going to meet and you are probably going to be a person who has been deeply hurt by the church there. It's very easy. And I, I would be I think almost everyone who leaves the church goes through this stage to some extent of you're so hurt. And so you're, you know, it's easy and very tempting to act out of bitterness and to just like throw the baby out with the bathwater. But that is not an approach that I stayed in because Jesus came through. (laughs) 
and I do want to note, you know, because I feel like we have to build in these disclaimers sometimes because these are difficult topics, but not recommending and will not be recommending that you leave your church, every single church ever, and like never look back and look to scripture, look at what Jesus is really saying and test people's words and actions against scripture. And I don't think church is bad as a whole. Mm -hmm. I just think that the human way of doing church apart from scripture has some issues. Yeah, and we're all like, admittedly, we're all sinners and we're not going to find the perfect church here on earth absolutely you might ask what's what's happened since what about my relationship with god now and relationship with the church now where are they now (laughs) where are where are they now i think we kind of touched on the 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 space afterwards where i struggled with a lot of bitterness and anger and you talked about being a bible bully poking holes and everything and there's still very much this temptation because i've always been a person who questions and a person who really loves theology and challenging and we're both people that don't like boundaries being drawn and ask you know why a lot but I think the biggest breakthrough for me was realizing one day when I was reflecting on everything realizing oh man everything that was said and that was done wasn't Jesus talking to me Jesus was not speaking through those people or their actions And if it doesn't go along with scripture, and if it is sinful and hurtful, that's a difficult thing to reconcile. I think the idea that church, a lot of what happens in church may not reflect God, but it is an unfortunate reality. But knowing part of starting to change that reality and part of learning to move forward is learning that Jesus is not these things. Jesus does not abuse. Jesus does not abuse his authority. Jesus is not corrupt. Jesus is not involved in scandals. Jesus does not oppress anybody. Jesus does not, you know, try to keep anybody from thinking differently than, you know, anybody else. Jesus is concerned with our salvation and our souls and he loves us. Dangerous message. A truly dangerous message. Yeah, because there's not a lot of loopholes in there that people can exploit, I feel like. No. Yeah. And getting to know the church again has been fraught because people are still people. Sin is still abounding. Ugh. And question asking is still extremely unpopular in many, many areas of the church. That being said, though, I believe in what scripture has laid out. And I believe that we can and should work for it. Something, a sentiment that I've heard often is, it's just, it's just the way it is. And I think, A, there does need to be a certain allowing for people are sinful and I can't, I can't get up and like change people. That's not my job. That's God's job. But... God did lay out something in scripture. He is very clear. He says, exhort each other, encourage each other, does lay out what a community looks like. And I think that we can and should, as representatives of Christ in the world, push towards that and work towards that. And if need be, like we kind of do in this podcast, question areas that hinder that representation of Christ in the world. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I think what I want to do, um, right now is is talk directly to whoever is listening whether it be you know right when this premieres or a week after a year or years from now because I, I don't know I don't know how long this is gonna last on the internet they're gonna shut us down eventually if, if they're smart just kidding um <laughs> but I really want to acknowledge that Sarah Sarah and I truly understand how you're how you're feeling if you're going through like a deconstruction of your faith and just absolute 
crushing confusion and despair because of what you thought was real and true turned out to be not or just turned out to be not exactly what you thought it it was and I remember thinking when the scandal broke with my former church and I was faced with the decision whether I stay or whether I go I remember thinking like god why 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 would you do this like you you gave me this big beautiful church family that I I ignored them for years and years because this was a church I grew up in and finally as as an adult as a college kid I, I came back and I threw myself into it and I remember being so full of regret that I squandered years that I got to be a part of this church family before everything broke, before everything fell apart, like that porcelain plate with all the cracks in it. And I do believe years later, after emerging from all of this awfulness, that God really did use that to strengthen me, to add to my story, to help others. And I, I just want to say, because there's only so much that we can um, encourage in a podcast. And neither of us are licensed counselors, right? You know, anyway. Um, but there are things that change when you leave a church. You do, you do lose that certainty of who you are, um, of what you believed in was absolutely always right. That certainty, it, it does leave. It does go away. Um, but the crazy thing is, Jesus, he stays. He stays the same. So we want to thank each and every one of you who have been with us on this journey mm. since the very, very beginning. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for encouraging us. It has been a wild year. And when I secretly, not so secretly, recorded a conversation with Sarah back in February of this year. And she said, yeah, let's do this podcast. We never thought we'd do it in the throes of a pandemic. We never (laughs) thought we'd do it during a really crazy election year here in America and um, and everything going on right now. And huge life changes for us personally. Yeah, and, and just yeah. craziness that's happening. So this, this podcast has been a constant um, for us this year. And we have experienced so much joy. And I think for me, at least a renewed sense of um, purpose and faith. It's been such a, a growing experience. Um, Nothing challenges us to grow in our perspectives and how we learn than putting out content. And man, I am so excited for what's next for us and everything that we've gained and just in terms of how to record (laughs) quietly all the way down to (laughs) how to phrase points. and Yeah, the beauty of noise canceling and organization. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. So thank you for dealing with us and our our quietness and then our loudness during episodes. We're we're (laughs) going to get a mixer, guys. Eventually. We're going to figure this out. One of us might get a Mac computer so we can use garage We will get some equipment eventually. You know, we might get a Patreon page so you guys can support us if you really want to. 
Because if I get one more comment, like, you guys are echoey. It's like, okay, Austin, you want to buy us equipment? <laughs> we don't have a friend named Austin, by the well, way. We're I do just... have a friend named Austin, but it's not that Austin. Yeah. It was just like, it was it's just. A generic it's Austin. a generic Austin. <laughs> yeah. The Austin who stands for everyone. <laughs> yes, like a, like a Karen. But anyway, thank you. We want to say thank you to our incredibly talented and gracious friend, Taylor Ray. Oh, yes. Oh, my God goodness her photos have been life-saving and just have helped create a perfect aesthetic yes. um little known fact she actually helped us with our color palette and yes. created our logo for let there be light she is a super talented photographer and we will link to her page so that you can go give her a follow on your own because yes. she deserves it she, her instagram is at taylor ray s photo and her website is www.taylorayesphoto.com. So please check it out. We also just want to extend our sincere thank you and gratitude to Dr. Camden Morgante, mm. who helped us in a previous episode about purity culture. Yeah, spent several hours with us on the phone just talking. Trying to figure out our equipment. Trying to figure out our equipment. <laughs> oh she was patient and just had so much good stuff to share thank you so much yes and she's at dr camden um on instagram and her website as well um and thank you so much to sarah beth baca for letting us use her portrait of junia which we used in our episode the lost apostle yes yeah give that one a listen if you haven't yes. um and Gorgeous just artwork too and follow her as well yes yes please yeah and thank you guys seriously so much we love you whether you have listened to one or multiple episodes whether you've agreed or disagreed we love you thank you so much thank you thank you thank you and there there was was light. light